Modern life. Between careers, kids, and health, it can be mayhem. That's why we're here. I'm Dr. Lisa Varghese-Kroll. And I'm Dr. Lonre Falusi. We're physicians, moms, and longtime friends who break it all down for you. Wondering how to juggle all the balls and still stay sane? Looking for advice but don't want to be overwhelmed? Curious about how to make the most out of life for your family but enjoy it at the same time? You're in the right place. Welcome to Health and Home with the Hippocratic Hosts. On this episode, we're talking about what it takes to become a doctor, starting from getting into medical school. Have you been inspired by Dr. Fauci and now want to become a physician? Is there a college student in your life contemplating a career in medicine? Are you curious about the path that today's doctors have taken to get to where they are? This episode is for you. Hey, Lon. Hey, Lise. Can you believe we have entered year three of this pandemic? Uh, no, I cannot. In some ways, it feels like it's gone on forever. In some ways, yeah. I really cannot believe that it has been that long. Unreal. So unreal. <laughs> it's terrible. But, you know, it just makes me, with every passing day, makes me so grateful for all of the frontline healthcare workers. Mm-hmm. It's such a sacrifice uh, on a daily and hourly basis. Mm-hmm. But interestingly, the numbers of people applying to medical school and wanting to be doctors has risen dramatically since the start of this pandemic. Right, right. The number of people who applied to U.S. medical schools for this current academic year was about 18% higher than the year before. Oh, my so God. So hard to believe. I know. I know. Th- that, that size of a jump hasn't happened in years and years. Right. Yeah. So the students who are first-year med students right now are also more diverse than any class before them. So here's some numbers. So among the over 22,000 students who began medical school this past fall, those self-identified as Black or African-American rose by 21% from the year before, followed wow. by increases. Yeah, yeah, about 8% of an increase among Asian students and about 7% increase among those of Hispanic or Latino origin. And so all of those data are from the AAMC, which is also called the Association of American Medical Colleges. It's a nonprofit organization that's the central hub for medical school applications and provides resources for trainees and practicing physicians. All right, so Lise, what drew you into medicine? Oh, man, you and I have had many late night talks about this, but for the benefit of our listeners who weren't in our apartment. <laughs> You know, I I loved that it would I knew it would be constantly intellectually challenging. It was never going to be boring. And I also loved that from the day I started till the day I ended this career, I'd be doing good for others. And I'd be around colleagues who had also made similar sacrifices for that same goal, which I thought would be really, you know, would be really special. And as we'll talk about a little bit later, um, I was a journalism major in college, and I also felt strongly about the intersection of medicine and communications, kind of like this podcast, and the possibility of spreading medical knowledge on a wider scale. So it was really, I think, all those pieces for me. And what about you? Um, probably my Nigerian DNA. <laughs> <laughs> Your course was charted for you from birth. (laughs) I'm Indian. Same for me. (laughs) I think that's just what we're supposed to do, right? Are there other options? I'm I'm unaware of this thing that you call diversity in careers. (laughs) No, seriously, I'll say that the reason maybe started with like a love for science. You know, that's like the typical thing. Mm -hmm. If you really like science as a kid, maybe you'll want to be a doctor. Um, And then evolved to this, you know, wanting to help people, right? That was like everyone's answer. Mm -hmm. Why do you want to go into medicine? Do you want to help? 
help people. Um, and then I think I just, you know, over time, you start recognizing the inequities in health and yes. seeing, yeah, that doctors have the skills to address those. I thought that mm-hmm. was really cool um, and so important. And there's such a wide variety of things that you can do with a medical degree. You can see patients, you can teach, you can be involved in advocacy, you can go into public health, you can do research. And I love that you didn't have to make one decision and that's what your entire career looked like, that you could sure. start with one path and then get involved in another path, which is, I think, where my career has gone over time from uh-huh. like full patient care to more teaching and advocacy and um, and all of that. So I think just that being able to sort of, as you said, do so many different things in medicine and at the end of the day, feel like I actually did help people. It's such a like right. generic response, but it's true. You actually no, are able to powerful. help people. Yeah. Um, and you totally. train to do that. And that's, you know, the core of, of your work. I totally agree. Um, and I wonder if people who are thinking about their careers right now or are thinking about the next stage in their careers, if they're thinking about these things too. Because during this COVID mm-hmm. pandemic, we've seen doctors not only working so hard to try to save lives, but also doing media interviews to encourage vaccinations, testifying to support mask mandates mm-hmm. and taking on leadership positions in local, state and national government. And that's, I mean, we, you know, we're seeing it. It's really being spotlighted right now, but it has actually been happening for years. Um, you know, our Mothers in Politics series really highlights this. And we encourage everyone to go back and listen to those episodes because several of the mothers in politics that we've interviewed have been physicians. And there's a surprising overlap between medicine and politics in terms of advocating for other people. So, you know, I think that I think that it's very true that there are a lot of things you can do with your MD and that's really appealing. Um, But it is interesting that this pandemic, which has been so devastating, has had the positive side effect Mm -hmm. of significantly increasing the number of people who want to go to medical school. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it is surprising. And I wonder if that like patient care piece is really attracting people as well Mm -hmm. to feel like you have like the skills and knowledge to help someone go from being really sick to being healthy or teaching people how to maintain their health. You know, that Mm -hmm. can be really gratifying. And of course, the U.S. healthcare system can be challenging. Um, It's so (laughs) fragmented with so many different types of insurance and different rules in different states and inequitable access, you know. Um, Mm -hmm. But again, with the medical degree, you have the background to address even those issues. That's true. Exactly. And so if you're, you know, if you're starting to think about, you know, maybe I do want to go to medical school or if you have a loved one in your life that's thinking about it. Let's get into our topic of how do you get accepted to medical school? (laughs) And to clarify, we are focusing in this episode specifically on the process of getting into MD schools in the United States. Um, But, you know, we want to pause here and remind ourselves that the process of getting into medical school is challenging, certainly. But medical school itself is incredibly challenging. Unless you're Doogie Hauser, I don't know. Do people remember Doogie Hauser? Am I dating myself? If if I'm dating myself, let me state I've I've never actually seen the show. I've just heard about it. Okay, does does that make me cooler? I don't know. I don't know. It was the best show. <laughs> I'll take your word for it. I remember so well as a you know nine year old watching it. I guess. <laughs> oh, 
Doogie. But, you know, as, as I, I assume the adventures of Doogie told us, um, after medical school, you still have another three to eight years of residency in your chosen specialty and possibly another one to five years of fellowship. Um, and your hours during those years are probably not great. I mean, can, you know, be up to 80 hours a week, depending on different work hour laws um, and can include overnight call and weekends. Uh, and then the other part of it is that according to 2019 data, looking at all medical students who had student debt, the median amount owed was $200,000. So after you add up years of interest on the student loans, the average physician ultimately pays between $365,000 and $440,000 for an educational loan. That's More on that incredible. later. Yeah. <laughs> it so really incredible. is. That's it's, a pretty decent house. <laughs> <laughs> you oh, know, totally, it's like you have a full totally. mortgage um, coming out of training. Yeah, and it's important to remember that when it comes to saving for retirement or saving for your children's college educations, uh, if you're a physician who went straight through, who went right to medical school after college, you still won't be able to begin saving for any of those things until your mid to late 30s. And later, if you did anything between college and medical school. So that's important to remember because non-physicians may have more time for those kinds of savings. Um, and so it's something to be aware of. Yeah, yeah. And as Lisa mentioned, your hours as a doctor will be long, often involving overnight call, weekends, working on holidays. And will include hours of unpaid work each day. So you really want to make sure that this path is for you before you begin. Otherwise, it's just years of pain without the payoff that you're hoping for. <laughs> so, you know, visualize yourself 20 years from now. And what, what does your ideal career, what does your ideal life look like? And then ask yourself, is medical school really the path that I need to get there? You know, do some soul searching on why you want to go into medicine and if you can't articulate a clear reason, you know, then maybe just take that as a sign that you may need more time to reflect and be sure. Or, you know, maybe it's time to find another path that fulfills your goals. And that's totally okay. Right. You know, there's no harm in doing other things and still coming around to medicine after all. Uh, you know, you don't, you don't have to be a cookie cutter student. Lots of people go a non-traditional route and might work or get a master's or another degree before applying to medical school, um, you know, if, if ultimately you decide that is your goal. One of the best ways to decide if it's for you is to spend time in the healthcare field. Mm -hmm. we, we probably can't overstate that enough. Yeah. Um, either shadow a doctor, volunteer at a hospital, read books and articles about doctoring, you know, not everyone has doctor parents or grew up around doctors that they can just call up to shadow at the drop of a hat. <laughs> so the AAMC has created a resource with ways to find doctors to shadow. So we'll link to it in our show notes at HippocraticHost.com. And the fact is that medicine as a field has changed significantly over the years. So shadowing is really important so that you mm -hmm. know what this career really entails. And it does not matter. It really doesn't matter if you don't, you know, quote, come from a medical family or if you're the first person in your family to go to college or if you grew up financially struggling or if you're from an underrepresented group that you haven't really seen much in the medical community. Because diversity in medicine is important. It's important because patients are diverse. Everyone needs a doctor. And studies have shown that physicians who can relate to their patients are able to provide better medical care on multiple mm -hmm. levels. Um, so what makes you unique will most likely make you valuable. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think, you know, it's that there's strength and diversity, right? And that's diversity in here, all here. ways, right? Um, so one mm -hmm. of the questions that we hear sometimes is what type of students do well in medical school or later in residency? 
You know, I think that's a tough question to answer, but I talked to a colleague of mine, Dr. Terry Kind, who's a professor of pediatrics and is deeply involved in medical school leadership. And I love what she said. So she said, people who do well in medical school are those who find meaning in their work or studies or activities, those who grow and learn along the way, who have supportive people in their lives, and who have some healthy hobbies. So I love that. So kind of think about, you know, whether you have those qualities in place, or if you're able to grow into those, you know, as you consider your career choices. I think the probably the key there is like growing and learning along the way. You know, I think that humility as physicians is so important. You know, science is constantly changing. Every person is different. Um, Even your patients will, you know, evolve over time and and how they approach their health. So as if we stay static, it's really dangerous as physicians, Mm -hmm. but kind of growing and learning is so key. Um, So here's another common question, Lisa. Do you have to be a science major if you want to be a doctor? You know, a lot of people are surprised by this, but no, you don't. (laughs) Now, being a science major might help you in the sense that it might make it easier to schedule your prerequisites because so many pre-med classes are also requirements for science majors. So each of those classes kills two birds with one stone. But being a science major is certainly not a requirement. In fact, it may help you stand out from the crowd to have a non-science major. The most important thing is to pick a major that you enjoy and to try to make sure that your GPA in your science classes is excellent. Mm-hmm. As I mentioned earlier, I majored in broadcast journalism in college and I loved it. It was the last chance really in my academic life to study something else in depth before becoming immersed in science. And I can't tell you how many interviewers wanted to know all about it. And 20 years later, I'm still so glad to have that degree. It's helped me connect with non-medical communities and the skills, skills like interviewing, writing, public speaking, they're shockingly useful in the practice (laughs) of medicine and in advocating for others. Oh, I completely agree. I mean, I was that boring, like biology (laughs) pre-med major, you know, and Lisa, I love that your interviewers wanted to talk about your non-medical major, because trust me, none of my interviewers wanted to hear about the exoskeleton of arthropods or whatever I was learning in my bio class. <laughs> no, <laughs> no. I thought it was that? fascinating, but yes. I mean, no one, everyone's like, stop, <laughs> that's enough. <laughs> you know, and I, I've interviewed people for residency who had majored in anthropology or foreign language or nutrition in college. And I love that. You know, and having those unusual experiences can make for such interesting interviews. And even more so, you know, it helps you to be more well-rounded, which is important as a physician. But now, if you want to be a biology major, that doesn't hurt you in (laughs) any way. (laughs) As we said, there are benefits to that as well. If you love that exoskeleton, go for it. (laughs) If you love, like, looking under the microscope, go for it. Don't deny yourself. Do not deny yourself. (laughs) And you do get that, you know, strong foundation before you go into those basic sciences science courses in medical school, but certainly don't feel bound to any particular major just because that's, you know, the supposed status quo. (laughs) Right. And, you know, whatever you have passion for, I think, comes through Mm -hmm. in in your interviews, whether it's science or not. Exactly. So, you know, let's say let's say you're convinced you've decided you want to be a doctor. So then what's the process? Well, most people start by taking the medical college admission test or the MCAT about a year and a half to two years before they plan to start med school. In general, if you're a college sophomore now and plan to start medical school in the fall of 2024, then you may choose to take the MCAT sometime between, say, August 2022 and April 2023. 
You can take it more than once, though there are limits, and it's offered about 30 times a year. Yeah, I remember us taking an MCAT prep course together in college, <laughs> like driving too. across town <laughs> to like rush to get to this class, you know. Um, but it was super helpful, at, not even just in the content, but they teach you test taking skills and you get mm-hmm. lots of practice questions. And if nothing else, some like relief in the anxiety around taking the MCAT. It's like those four right. letters just invoke so much fear <laughs> in pre-meds. Um, totally. But taking a prep course or using, you know, books um, with practice questions, even if they're used, you know, hand-me-down books mm-hmm. can be helpful too. Um, getting that practice is so helpful, so important for the MCAT. Totally. I remember, Lon, that we left a pot of water boiling on our stove one day of our MCAT <clears throat> course and only and realized this when we were already across town. <laughs> yeah. When Lisa says we, she means I forgot. <laughs> I thought I was being smart. I was like, oh, let me boil some pasta before class so that when we come Multitasking. home, you know, yes. food is ready. <laughs> and I forgot to actually turn off the stove before we left. It could happen to anyone. <laughs> but I mean, our super was not thrilled. No, no. We definitely walked <laughs> we in. we frantically and, called. Yeah, standing there in our apartment, <laughs> opening up the windows, <laughs> opening up the patio door to let the smoke out. Yeah. Yeah. Kids yeah. do not do as we did. Pay yes, attention yes. to your stove. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. I guess oh, that man. that's what happens when you're <laughs> pre-med Yeah, before you have this anxiety MCAT. relief. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, thankfully, we survived. Everyone in our building yes. survived as well. We right, never made that right. mistake again. No, <laughs> Please don't no. write us angry letters. <laughs> right. <laughs> but let's say, okay, so let's say that you take your MCAT. And then in the spring, we'll say the spring of 2023, if you plan to start med school in 2024, that's when you start putting your application together. Right. And this involves a standardized application called the American Medical College Application Service, or AMCAS, A-M-C-A-S. And that's also run by the AAMC. You'll also prepare your personal statement that tells your story and why you want to go into medicine. You'll get letters of recommendation from people who know you well. And for some schools, you may be asked to complete a secondary application with even more essays. When you complete the AMCAS, you have to select which schools you're going to apply to. And that's a process in itself. There are currently 155 LCME accredited schools in the U.S. and Canada and Puerto Rico. LCME stands for the Liaison Committee on Medical Education. And there are lots of things to take into account when compiling your list. Some of the things you'll want to consider are geography. It's often easier to go to medical school if you have a support system within driving distance. So you may choose schools that are close to close to immediate family or close to extended family or close to friends. Or um, just far that away you have... from family. I mean, some <laughs> I guess, people maybe I guess it really could plus. depend. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Lonray was like trying to get as far away from me as possible. Um, but no. uh, um, so, yeah. So you have like a social, you know, social support during medical school is really important. Um, You may also look at schools that have special combined degree programs. So if you're interested in getting an MD-PhD or an MD-JD or an MD-MPH, some schools offer those. Um, Schools where you have a connection. So schools that are either affiliated with your undergraduate school or where a research mentor uh, happens to be located. 
Um, you may choose schools that have a philosophy that resonates with you, like schools that are known for caring for specific populations or schools that have um, a focus on increasing the number of doctors of color or schools that are well known for furthering research in your area of interest, um, schools that promote primary care, if that's what you're interested in. Uh, these are all sort of different things to look at when you're considering where you want to apply because ultimately you're going to be there for four years. And really, I mean, your medical school in some ways will follow you around for the rest of your life because it'll always be on your CV and you'll always talk about it. You'll always mm-hmm. be affiliated with it in one way or another. So compiling that list, um, you know, definitely devote some time and thought to that. Once you've done that and you've received some, hopefully some uh, interview offers, now it's time to prepare for that interview. So when you get there, you could be interviewed by a practicing physician on faculty. You could be interviewed by someone who teaches and does research, could be interviewed by a current medical student or even one of the alumni. And you may interview with multiple people in one school. During the pandemic, medical school interviews have largely been virtual, which is so different than what we're used to. But it has, you know, that, of course, has been an important move for public health safety. But the interview itself is, is still very important. Yeah, so now we're going to do some rapid fire advice for getting into med school. (laughs) And these are tips from our own experience and from some credible sources online um, and from talking to colleagues who are actively involved in med school leadership. So shout out and thanks to Dr. Julie Linton, who is an associate professor of pediatrics and associate dean at the University of South Carolina School of Medicine in Greenville, and to Dr. Terry Kind, who I mentioned earlier. So here we go. First, in all that you do, bring your authentic self. You have life experiences that have brought you to this moment. So be brave in talking about them. Champion causes that you feel strongly about. Because, you know, schools want real people. And that includes a diversity of backgrounds and interests and thought. Absolutely. Uh, Second, really focus on your academics. Now, many schools do a holistic interview or a holistic review now, meaning they don't just look at only your grades or only your MCAT scores, but they put a lot of weight into the rest of your application as well. But you still do need to show that you can handle the rigor of med school classes. And the best way to show that is to have really strong grades in college, especially in your science courses, and to have a solid MCAT score. And get involved in research. It builds critical thinking skills and exposes you to an important side of medicine. You don't have to end up getting published in the New England Journal of Medicine after inventing the cure for cancer. Just get your feet wet in a research project. Many colleges offer summer or year-round projects. The National Science Foundation and the AAMC have databases of research programs as well, which you'll find in our show notes on our website. Definitely volunteer and seek out leadership experiences. And it's okay if those are non-medical. You know, Mm -hmm. this shows that you are well-rounded and you care about others. And quality is more more important than quantity. So it's better to have, you know, two or three experiences that you are really dedicated to for months or years or held leadership positions in. That's better than having 10, you know, one time or really shallow experiences. Again, being a doctor, as we mentioned, involves a lot of dedication um, and, and sometimes sacrifice. So they want to see that you've been able to kind of stick through an, an experience or a position um, and really kind of commit yourself to something outside of yourself. Right. And another part of being a doctor is a lot of the time you're going to be outside your comfort zone. (laughs) So get used to that now. Um, Study abroad if you can afford to. Learn another language. Read books by authors who are different from you. 
These activities help you to better understand and appreciate the varied world around you, which is key to being a compassionate physician. If there's anything we've learned with the COVID pandemic and the ongoing struggle for racial equality, it's that being socially conscious as a healthcare professional is critical, maybe mm-hmm. now more than ever. Yeah, yeah. And in your personal statement and your interviews, be sure to showcase your best qualities. You know, of course, you don't want to come across as conceited, but who will advocate for you better than yourself? Who knows you better right. than yourself? Nobody. Yeah, so you know, you can balance the humility and self-advocacy by showing and not just telling your strengths. So you don't want to go in a, into an interview and say, I have really strong leadership skills. <laughs> Instead, <laughs> tell them about a time when you had to pull a team together through adversity or when you saw a problem and di- devised solutions to address it. You know, the other side of that coin is to be honest about your mistakes and to show what you learned from those. You know, schools, again, they're not looking for perfection. They're looking for growth. And get help. You know, make sure to meet with your school's pre-med advisor, even if you're just considering med school. They will help you in your journey in deciding if medicine is for you. They'll guide you through the timeline, recommend extracurricular activities, and probably review your application and give you feedback. This is probably even more important if you're a non-traditional student, if you're going back and you're not enrolled as an undergraduate, but instead you're doing, um, you know, a program to to achieve your pre-med prerequisites. In that case, it's even more important to have an advisor, someone kind of who's familiar with the process, guiding you along. Mm-hmm. And with that, when it's time to get letters of recommendation, you know, get letters from people who know you and can speak to your character and your skills. And that's so much more important than who wrote the letter. You know, a very glowing and like specific letter from your research mentor who maybe no one has heard of, but they know you and you've worked with them for years. That's much stronger than a bland or generic letter from a famous doctor. You know, you want, again, to showcase really who you are and your authenticity. Right. And then make sure to prepare for interviews by reading about the school on their website or reading any other materials that they share with you. Have a couple of questions prepared ahead of time to show that you're really trying to imagine yourself as a student there and to show that you value them enough to have done your research on them. Be prepared to answer the question, why do you want to be a doctor? You know, make sure that your answer is genuine and indicates that you know the many challenges ahead of you and still want to do it anyway. Why do you want to be a doctor? If the answer is mainly Grey's Anatomy, might be time to go back to the drawing board. Oh, man. If the answer is, I know, right? We still need to work on this. But if the answer is that, you know, you have a love for the material and a personal connection to medicine through either your own medical experience or a loved one's or a volunteer position or a research project you were involved in, that's more like it. And we mentioned earlier how expensive medical school can be. And those costs begin before you even send your first tuition check. Okay, Lon, no one writes checks anymore. It's all (laughs) online or Bitcoin. We're dating ourselves again. Oh, my God. I think you can pay for med school in Bitcoin. Probably. (laughs) Or NFTs. What are NFTs again? Yeah, exactly. I don't know, but our kids will make them, so. (laughs) Yeah. I I think that's how it goes, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, so that question is, then, how do you finance medical school if the median debt is $200,000? You know, Right, right. This this is a topic in and of itself. So we'll be sure to add lots of resources to our show notes. But keep in mind, there are lots of ways to pay for medical school. Um, and 
you know, loans, of course, as we mentioned before, um, is probably the most typical way. Um, there are also physician scientist programs. So Lisa mentioned MD, PhD programs. Those come with your tuition covered and with a stipend in a lot of cases. There are some scholarships from private or public or even governmental institutions. Sometimes those take some digging to find. Um, so spending a lot of quality time looking online and throwing out all the feelers um, out there um, can help you to, to find those. Um, you can think about a military commitment that all often pay for medical school. Um, then there are programs like the National Health Service Corps. That's a governmental program that'll either pay in advance or will reimburse um, what you've paid in terms of tuition for medical school. Those are programs that are specifically designed to increase the number of physicians in medically underserved or under-resourced areas. There are also other primary care and rural programs that provide loan repayment. Um, each school may have their own specific program to help to attract students um, of a certain quality or students who will commit to stay in that area after they graduate. So, you know, it, it can be daunting for sure, um, but just do know that there are many ways out there to, to pay for medical school. And now it's time for our Physician Mom Hack of the Week. Man, talking about money is stressful. <laughs> you know Seriously. what we need after that, Lise? We need Nutella. Absolutely. I couldn't yeah. agree more. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So this is a lighthearted hack, but you know, one that we're both going to be doing as soon as we finish recording this episode. <laughs> Amen, sister. <laughs> So here's how it goes. When you get down to the bottom of a jar of Nutella or peanut butter or honey or anything delicious, finish it off by spooning a scoop of ice cream in the jar. Don't recycle that container until you've savored every last morsel and, you know, as a topping for ice cream. So you're welcome. I assume we've lost all our listeners as they've all rushed to try that because yeah, you really should. Right. Exactly. Anyone there? No, no. Right. They, yeah, exactly. They're all enjoying their <laughs> Nutella with hopefully not just one, but two scoops of ice cream in it. Seriously. Exactly. <laughs> so that's our show for today. Thanks so much for listening. We really appreciate it. For more resources on getting into med school for yourself or a loved one, visit our show notes at HippocraticHost.com and please pass it on if you know anyone that could benefit. Thank you so much. As usual, we would love you to follow us on social media at Facebook, on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Um, if you like what you hear, please subscribe and review us on Apple Podcasts and tell a friend about the show. Thanks, everyone. Talk to you next time. Thanks for listening to Health at Home with the Hippocratic Hosts. Remember that all views expressed here are our own, not our employers, and all content is for informational purposes only and should not be construed as medical advice nor the establishment of a doctor-patient relationship. Always consult your own physician or healthcare team for any medical issues. If you enjoyed this episode, please rate us, subscribe, and tell a friend. And check out our website at www.hippocratichosts.com for show notes on this and all our episodes. Can't wait to chat with you next time. <laughs>